Well, here's the deal. I remember 20 years ago when this uh, whole election business in the country uh, became such that we forgot how to vote. And uh, it was because Florida was such a close state, and it turns out it decided the presidency. I remember Al Gore. Well, first, I remember the media calling Florida for Gore while uh, the panhandle was still voting and basically called election for Gore. Uh, I think they even called Ohio for Gore at one time, and they had to take both of those calls back. Um, and then, um, he had 37 days to litigate, uh, in Florida. They actually, he didn't, uh, excuse me. He didn't recount the whole state. Interestingly enough, had he decided to recount the whole state, he may have come up with enough votes to win, but they just decided to recount certain, um, counties in the state and and they did that and they did that once and they did that twice and they kept on going and they kept on suing and they kept on going and granted the media did call it for bush but they really hesitated to go all in and you know officially mint him as president-elect george bush until gore decided to concede now, this is very important for everybody because we're, we're, we're taking out of this here who we want to see win this election and just look at history and compare it to this time right now. Now we have an incumbent president who's running for re-election, and because the media has decided that Biden has won uh, Pennsylvania – Wisconsin, Arizona, and Nevada, all very close states, that he's the president-elect. And they have, you know, they tweet-humped this whole thing out. Almost, I mean, it was really something to behold, Big John, earlier today. Yeah, I mean, it was really something to behold when CNN came out and called it. It was like your Twitter feed just blew up. Everything. President-elect, Joe Biden. Now, who, who in the hell... You know, what election official has called any of these con- contested states as official? None. There won't for 21 days after the election. None. And are any of these states decidedly determined? No. No. So no official in Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia... Arizona or Nevada, or Wisconsin for that matter, five big states in all of this, has certified anything, nor are any of the leads, uh, you know, determinate in who would win. Now, you know, Nevada looks like it might end up being pretty solid uh, for Biden. Arizona, which was called with less than 1% of the vote, and we were here watching it going, how the hell does that happen? Um, Has now, it's tightened up big time. Uh, I think it's down to um, 18,000 votes. And at one time, it was like 60,000. 
uh, in favor of Biden. Uh, you go over to Georgia here, uh, it literally is uh, 9,000 votes, 9,000 votes out of 5 million cast. Um, Trump has a, uh, uh, a pretty good lead in North Carolina with 99% reporting. So I don't know how they're not calling that one. Anyhow, I'm going on and on here, Big John. Pennsylvania is, uh, you know, a state with uh, almost 7 million votes cast. Biden has a 37,000 vote lead. That's less than Trump's four years ago. And then Wisconsin is 20,000 votes for Biden. That's way less than Trump. Well, or at least it's pretty close. So nothing has been determined. And yet 20 years ago, we gave Al Gore 37 days to contest the results in one state. And it wasn't over until he said it was over. Trump is saying, wait a minute, we have reason to believe that there are some uh, irregularities going on. He's calling it voter fraud. Now, I will say, if you're going to use that term, and I think there are some things that kind of make you go, hmm, and all this, and we can get into that. If you're going to use that term out of the gate, you, you better be prepared to fully back that up. And I think they can point fingers to some things that cause uh, or cause for investigation. And we'll get into that. But um, I think they got to be careful here. But more than that, let's not focus on fraud per se. Let's focus on the fact, Big John, that these are states that are incredibly close and all of them that I've mentioned, fall within an automatic recount to make sure there wasn't glitches or problems. And we've already heard there was glitches and problems. Right. So this really, this really isn't even Trump, you know, saying, I'm going to fight this, even though he's saying it. These are things that are mandated by law that must happen before anything is 100% counted. And then somebody can decide to further challenge, as Al Gore did. Why isn't it, Big John, the media giving that kind of consideration to Donald Trump? When they did so, we got three days, four days. He got 37 days for one state. Incredible. Well, I think it's odd that as Rudy Giuliani was bringing forth witnesses and holding a press conference to announce their first election fraud ballot box stuffing lawsuit, that that's conveniently the time the media chose to throw this monkey wrench in and declare Biden the winner. I heard it was NBC and the Associated Press that were the first to call it. But as I'm watching Rudy Giuliani state the case that 
uh, poll watchers for the Republicans were not allowed to watch the, re the ballots being opened and being processed and all these things that uh, poll watchers are supposed to be allowed to do. Suddenly out of the corner of my eye, yeah, I see my Facebook and everything start blowing up that Joe Biden has been announced as president. And the media knows that their credibility and people's ignorance is high and that we are very used to when the media says the state of so-and-so or the election is called for, people are just going to go along with it and accept it as fact and law because they don't understand the law like we do. Well, and it sets a narrative. You're right. It absolutely, it, it, it begins to, it's like anything else you see in the news over and over again, and especially in social media, uh, it be, it becomes true, whether or not it is or not. Kind of like Russia collusion. Yeah. They said it over and over again enough times to where, to a large group of people, they just accepted it as, oh, I guess it happened. And, you know, it's never been reported that the fact that it has come out that Hillary Clinton set forth the ball set the ball rolling on that narrative. You never saw that in headlines. So there are people to this day that still believe the Russian collusion narrative. Just like the media never reported the laptop from hell and all of Biden's shady business deals. Now I did hear tonight uh uh, somebody said that the Justice Department is now looking into the election. I don't know if you heard that, but I didn't get into a lot of details of what they were looking at. But, I mean, the lawsuits are coming from the Trump campaign. Uh, we'll go further into that, but I, I'm letting you lead. So, Well, I haven't heard anything from the Department of Justice, and frankly... Um, you know, I don't have a whole hell of a lot of confidence in the Department of Justice to uncover any bit of the real corruption that has plagued uh, this country in the in the last four years from the deep state and the cabal that tried to take out Donald Trump's uh, presidency. Um, you know, there's a, there was this Durham report where everyone was banging their chest for a year that okay we you know Barr finally has our guy they're going to get to the bottom of it and some things have leaked out uh and you alluded to it about how corrupt hillary was but i don't you know nothing's come of this Barr uh, durham investigation and if biden is in fact elected president and sworn in it's anything that is there is going to go away and as I commented to you uh, on another show, sometimes these investigations are not really designed to expose anything, but to actually contain things. Uh, so maybe they're just trying to figure out exactly what's out there and then put a lid on it. So I, don't, I haven't heard anything from the Department of Justice in getting involved 
um, <clears throat> as we continue the discussion here, I will um, look over my Twitter feed to see if I can find anything, but I'm not optimistic if they're getting, you know, big deal. <clears throat> you know, John, the, you know, one sort of thing that comes out of the Trump first term is that there are so many people in government that's just against. And one of the other things that's come to light is that there's so many people inside of his orbit that are against him. Yeah. From all his original hires in the first year or so, turns out people were just against him. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't, or they just ended up not liking him and bought bought into the to the narrative against him. There's even rumors that there are some that there were some never Trumpers inside of his campaign that didn't want to see him win. I'm sure um, I, don't, I don't know how substantiated those rumors are, but I did see some things come across. Uh, you know, it was a blue check on Twitter that kind of put that rumor out there. And it wasn't a liberal uh, outfit. So, yeah, we have, I guess the point of, we kind of got off track there a little bit. Um We'll see what the Department of Justice does, but I guess the point there is anything that is going to help Donald Trump isn't going to come from the government. It isn't going to come from an official investigation, at least at the federal level. They're going to have to uncover it. Rudy and everybody else that are on the ground, they're going to have to work like hell and I don't know how they have enough energy to do all this. It doesn't seem like there is a huge, you know, Trump team here. Uh, it seems like it's the regular players, which is a whole nother topic uh, we could get into. But they're going to have to uncover it. And that gets back to my original point of if you're going to come out like Trump did, and he came out pretty hard uh, and alleged that this thing is being stolen from them and that there's fraud. You know, I take that seriously, and it can be Donald Trump or anybody else. Um, I think they have a lot of yellow flags. There's some red flags, such as the um, software company that was tabulating the votes in Michigan. They found 6,000 more votes for Donald Trump because of some kind of... uh, Reporting error. Glitch, they said. Right, some glitch. What about the other 77 counties in Michigan that use the same software? Shouldn't they be recounted by hand? That would be something I would think because the computers didn't pick up the glitch. Uh, A Republican election official said, wait a second, this doesn't add up. We got to look at this, the receipts from the voting machines, and those didn't match what the computer was spitting out. Or And then uh, they recounted it by hand, and the hand count matched what was on the tabulation receipts. So they went with the hand count. And that's how it went from Biden being up 6,000 to Trump being up 6,000. 
and also a congressional election in that county changed from the Republican losing by a, a couple thousand votes to the Republican winning by a couple thousand votes. So, And that's all in Michigan. Yeah, that's one county in Michigan, but there's 76 others that use that same software. Um, just a brief second. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that the Justice Department received fraud uh, allegations from Republicans in Nevada uh, and sent them to Attorney General Barr. But we I don't want to go down that path because that will get us way off topic. Yeah, well, I mean, who knows what that what that's all about. And, and I know that the media is quick to say, well, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? We need hard hard evidence. Well, They're way... That- they're way the hell over here because there is evidence in, in, in a loose sense. There's suspicion. There are questions. Well, we know. And there are. Go ahead and finish your sentence. Sorry. Well, no, it's all right. But there are questions primarily because of how this damn thing went down mm-hmm. and how in certain states everyone rushed because of COVID. Everyone rushed to change the way that they do business on elections in the middle of the game, and they weren't ready for it. And this is like a thesis statement here tonight. Mm-hmm. Accountability measures, transparency were all secondary. Deadlines that were prescribed in state law through the courts, there was a moratorium placed on some of these statutory deadlines. You take a look at what happened in Pennsylvania. It's a perfect example. Nevada was even worse. Yeah. You know, they literally came in and tried to get all of this stuff through the courts, even though I believe the Nevada legislature and the governor, who are Democrats, passed vote by mail. So that's okay. That's the law. But there were other things that they were trying to get through at the you know end game to benefit the Democrats. Now, none of that means fraud, all right? right. That's this is very serious to me. None of that means fraud. But there are things that are coming up that make you go, hmm, you know. When you can't tell me what you have out the door in ballots, you know, because you just sent a bunch of ballots out. You have no idea what's out the door. That was part of the problem on election night. They were saying, well, Trump's got this county, this county, this county by so much. He's going to win. Right. And then, (laughs) excuse me. And then you had a bunch of votes kind of show up that went way Biden's way but then you could never like it went from like okay Pennsylvania has um, 95% reporting in and then all of a sudden it went back to 87% reported in now how the hell does that happen that frees up hundreds of thousands of votes do you realize on election night from election night until today Joe Biden in the state of Pennsylvania, you know, keep in mind, Trump had a almost 800,000 vote lead before they 
all stopped counting, which is a whole other issue at the same time. Joe Biden gained over 1 million votes, almost 1.1 million votes. Donald Trump gained 330,000. Now, a lot of people... What was that? Well, it's... Well, it's roughly 75%. Now, that's for the whole state. That's not, you know, Philadelphia, which has really thrown this out of whack. So, to me, though, it makes, yeah, it makes it even more kind of head-scratching because even if the... um, vote by mail in Pennsylvania was skewing heavily towards Democrats, and we know why that is. They're doing some shady things, some of which might just be downright illegal, but that doesn't, you know, you, you've got to, before you start saying fraud, you, you got to be sure, but there are some things. Biden wasn't winning these votes 70 to 30 statewide. No let alone 70, 25. He was in Philadelphia. He was winning like 90-10. Actually, he really wasn't winning 90-10 up until they started dumping new votes. So it just makes you wonder, when you don't know how many votes that you have out the door, and all you can give people is a range, and then all of a sudden, the totals, you go, you wake up the next morning, and the totals are like, wait a minute, what the hell happened? And there's no explanation for it. Right. Well, that's what's got a lot of people, and, and that's why they need to do, considering how close it is in Pennsylvania, instead of rushing to try to declare Biden the president-elect, and I know the media wants to do that, mm-hmm. why not wait, make sure the votes are all counted, and because it's so close, let's just be sure that this is accurate because now the the cat's out of the bag. If for some reason, and it almost makes you wonder, but if for some reason some of these states flip and maybe even flip to where Trump is now ahead, but that's a, a long shot, boy, then what the hell do you do now? Yeah, I- you know, it would go from nobody would take it seriously. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I'm just, my, that was my point. Yeah. You know, we're talking about Michigan. There's a glitch. There's problems. There's a glitch in Michigan. One glitch. At least. Michigan, though, is at least one that we know there could be more. But Michigan is way – and that's another thing. Michigan is way out. Like if you look at these other states, you know, uh, Minnesota is pretty far gone. Uh, that's a, a different dynamic. And I'm actually a little bit surprised that Minnesota was, um, you know, over 240,000 vote lead for Biden. I'm a little surprised that it was that much. But if you take a look at Wisconsin, it's 20,000 votes, and Pennsylvania is 40,000 votes. Then there's Michigan. 
which is, you know, um, 150,000 votes. What's going on? <clears throat> What's going on in Michigan? Maybe there's more than one glitch. Yeah, that could be too. Um, back to the first federal lawsuit that they're filing. They did, uh, I don't know, like evidently Pennsylvania was one of these states that uh, sent out mail-in ballots to everyone. Am I getting that right? No. Okay. No, what happened in Pennsylvania was, the deal there is, the law in Pennsylvania, and that's not a state that ever had, um, uh, I guess it was no-fault absentee. I, th I, I just read a, a note, a letter, from the Speaker of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, a Republican, to the governor, demanding that there be a full audit or full canvas of the state's votes in Pennsylvania because of how close this is and with all the, you know, uh, fluidity in what the courts did with state law. Well, I'm glad that somebody in the Republican Party is stepping up because here's something that they talked about at this press conference today. Lewandowski, Corey Lewandowski, uh, said the media was hounding uh, Rudy and the, they had like, five or ten witnesses that they let speak that were supposed to be poll watchers and the media was trying to grill them and Rudy stepped in and said well we'll take questions at the end uh, and Corey Lewandowski cut in on Rudy and said alright you want your, your hard evidence let me read the obituary and this woman died on like October 23rd and she requested her absentee ballot a couple days before that. The Board of Elections got it on the 24th. It was returned to the Board of Elections on the 28th. And Lewandowski checked the state website. And her ballot, a dis one certified dece deceased person's ballot, was counted in the Pittsburgh area. Now that's just one vote. But she sure as hell didn't fill that out herself. No. Well, they found that in Michigan, too. There was a guy that was on Twitter that was taking screenshots of his computer. Of He, he went to the Social Security database and just started randomly searching for people that died in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And then he went to the Michigan Secretary of State's website and look these people up and it wasn't just one there were you know several examples a number of examples of people that uh you know this one guy died in 1984 but yet he requested his absentee ballot in uh september of this year got it and sent it back in october Unreal. <clears throat> now, he's been dead since 1984 so, it, it, you know, Barris over at People's Pundit said, oh, my God, these people have been at this for two months. <laughs> they've, been, they've been scheming this for a long time. And it's all because of the way that mail-in ballots were jammed down everybody's throat. Now, I'm going to say this off on the side. I'm not opposed 
to uh, early vote in person and, you know, no fault absentee voting by mail. Okay. I'm not, you know, opposed to those ideas. And I think I have trouble with it because I'm kind of the person that believes if you can be at the polls, you should be at the polls and you should be able to show some kind of identification of who you are and where you live. So it's your driver's license or some state issued ID. All right. But at the end of the day, I don't have a problem if early voting or vote by mail, no fault absentee voting can help some people out. But by God, you've got to have some accountability measures. You have to have deadlines. You have to have transparency. And Florida, and frankly, Ohio, have shown that it can be done. And why is that? Because these were states that dealt with this shit and didn't want to be the laughingstock of the country. Florida in 2000 and Ohio in 2004. Now, I, again, I think we've gone a little too far, but the fact of the matter is we can do it. <clears throat> and these other states can do it. Mm-hmm. We can't do it. And I don't know where the Trump people were when 300,000, or excuse me, when 300 legal filings were going on all over this country in Nevada, in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in North Carolina, to manipulate... <laughs> conveniently enough, swing states, to manipulate the um, voting systems, some by the legislature, and that's fine, but many by the courts, to just ignore deadlines. And that's what I was getting at earlier. The Speaker of the Pennsylvania House wrote a letter to the governor saying, hey, We need a full audit canvas of this state. It's really close, and things are so far up in the air with what is really going on here. People don't have confidence. That's what I think Trump should be harping on, is that this is so crazy for a lot of people. Some states really fouled the the administration of the elections up. They have fouled that up. That doesn't mean fraud. It just means it's fouled up. And people need to get confidence because we can't have this shit for four more years where one half of the country thinks the other half got screwed. If Trump lost, then he lost. You know, we went through four years despite zero evidence of thinking that Trump was an illegitimate president, a narrative promoted in the media. But when we, are, when we are faced here with almost a half a dozen states being really, really close, I mean, Biden barely wins this election if he does. They want to just give, they want to crown him. Yep. Go ahead and crown They don't want to wait. Now, why is that? Do they, are they, do they know there's fraud? Do they suspect there's fraud? Or, they're, or are they fearful there's fraud? You know, if Joe Biden was the unifier that he claims he wants to be, and he made his little speech today and I was doing other stuff, why wouldn't he come out and say, you know what? I want to make sure 
And I am committed, and my campaign is committed, that not only will every vote be counted across this country, but that we fully support and will, you know, back up as much as possible any um, mandatory recount efforts. And we are going to be careful that we do not get out in front of the legal process as we try to put together what we believe is is our administration for the next four years. Where the hell was anything remotely close to that? Yeah, I, I heard it was a typical uh, acceptance speech. I didn't watch it either just because I, I couldn't tolerate it. But, you know, you come to these these little things like uh, – in Philadelphia, Project Veritas, which is becoming a, a very trustworthy uh, news source, it's concerned. Well, they're they're like they're they're like what I said earlier. You're not going to get the fraud from the government. So screw the DOJ. Got to come from Trump or citizen activists like Project Veritas. They had a postal worker seek them out. That on. The day before the election, that or no, on election day or, or something like that, you can look it up on Project Veritas. That he heard his supervisor telling people, when you get a mail-in ballot on November fourth out of a mailbox as you're doing your route, it goes into this basket specifically, and. Then the supervisor told other people, keep those ballots because we're going to mark them for election day so they can be counted. And so what you're talking about here, this guy has actually gone on a record with this. This isn't some anonymous source. Yeah, this is someone that's put his job and possibly life on the line. And a lot of these uh, poll workers, Rudy Giuliani—I'm skipping around a little bit—but you know, poll workers or observers, Rudy said they would sign affidavits and they'll testify in court, but only 25 were willing to speak with him because the other 25 feared for their life because of the stuff that Antifa and the Democrats have been doing. And, you know, like this postal worker, he talked to Project Veritas uh, behind uh, a dark screen, like they blurred his face and uh, changed his voice. And then when people weren't believing his story, he said, okay, I'll go on the record with you. And he's out there on the record. His supervisors have brought up to him, uh, you know, you made these mistakes and you were written up for this and that in the past. So the post office is threatening his job, but the postmaster general, uh, a uh, Trump appointee, had contacted Project Veritas and said, this falls under my jurisdiction. I'm going to investigate this. Now, these little things like we've been talking about, like the, the dead people voting, these ballots being post-dated post for before the election, 
uh, and whatever other means that they've used to stuff the ballot box starts to add up. And that is in that when the media wants evidence, you know, you know, I may not have video proof of somebody stuffing a ballot box, but what I do have is what you just laid out. We got dead people that looks like they voted. So can we at least look into that? We got glitches in almost every county in Michigan and in 30 states. We got glitches in one county in Michigan, and almost every other county used the same software along with 30 other states. Can we look into that as we're counting the votes? By the way, we've got a postal worker, a whistleblower, who's on record with his name, saying that while I did not witness backdating, I witnessed them talking about backdating. And what he's talking about is, in Pennsylvania, this goes back to what I was trying, the point I was trying to make out with this letter from the speaker to the governor, and what all of that is about. In Pennsylvania, this was not a state that had no fault absentee balloting. If you had an absentee ballot, it had to be received by 8 o'clock on Election Day when the polls closed. Now, earlier this year, we had all these primaries in this country that got all turned around because of COVID, and a lot of people went to vote by mail. 534,000 ballots were rejected through the vote by mail. And that can happen for a lot of reasons. You forget to fill something out on the envelope. You don't put the ballot in the right envelope. They call it a naked ballot. You just put the ballot in one envelope instead of two. You don't sign something. All of these things are grounds for the ballot to be tossed because it's not proper in terms of accountability and trying to establish some kind of chain of ownership, chain of custody, and certain other security precautions that each state determines is necessary for the authenticity of the vote. Well, one of the ways is a postmark, and that's what John is talking about. In some states, you just have to have it postmarked by election day, and then they give you, I think in Ohio it's an extra 10 days or something for the ballots to show up before uh, they start counting. Well, in Pennsylvania, there was a lawsuit brought by Democrats, somebody, but let's just say Democrats, that said, hey, we got COVID out here, and people can't, they they may not feel safe going to the polls. So we want to expand vote-by-mail absentee balloting. That went over the legislature. Then they said, well, we need to give people time to get these ballots back in. And the court said, okay, we'll give you three extra days. That's nowhere in the law. And then the court said, oh, by the way, 
if ballots aren't postmarked, we're going to presume that they were cast before Election Day. But any of these ballots that come in have to be segregated. That's what the federal court eventually said twice. The federal Supreme Court. So before we get into, like, all the legalese there, the point is, in Pennsylvania, the laws changed in the middle of the game. And it's caused a bunch of confusion. And they weren't ready for this. And it looks like there may have been some people at the post office in Erie, Pennsylvania, a county that was trending and felt like Trump votes Biden. And people are left scratching their head. How did this happen? And now we have a whistleblower from the post office that says, well, we were told, or I heard people say, that if it's November the 4th, date everything on November the 3rd. Now, why would they do that? Because if it's postmarked November 3rd, they still count it. They don't have to segregate it. So if you're trying to stuff the ballot box, and you've got a friend at the post office... Where would you rather those ballots be? Segregated off to the side or in the count it now pile? Right on. Count it now. You want to count it now. So this whistleblower is saying there could be a lot of ballots that came in late by a day or so and we postmarked them on the 3rd, and they counted them when they shouldn't have been counted. Now, what's the big deal there? Well, if you know the results of the election, now you know how many votes you got to come up with, which gets us back to another part of this whole evening and fiasco that doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> big John and I were sitting here doing our thing, and... I don't know, remember what time it was, midnight or so, and we're like, Trump's going to win. No doubt. It may be close, but he's going to win. And all of a sudden, they called Arizona with no, uh, hardly any votes in, and then what happened? It's almost like it was coordinated. <laughs> Wisconsin, Michigan. Pennsylvania, they all stopped counting votes. And I said, John, I've never seen anything pause like this. I think they're trying to steal the election. Yeah. Trump has Trump has won. They're trying to steal. Now, why? How do I have that feeling? Well, Arizona was the first state to flip. And it was at that point, that's the signal. Fox calls it. That's the signal to everybody else, okay, this thing is close enough to where you guys can be deployed to do what you have to do. Find the votes. 
And Trump comes out and says, okay, everybody's agreed to stop talking, and we'll come at this in the morning. Well, they've made a lot of mistakes. They weren't ahead of the game, but that was the big mistake. They got outmaneuvered. All of their people went home. The people that represented the campaign that were in these areas where the voting was, the ballots were being dropped off. Everybody went home. And lo and behold, what happens at 4 o'clock in the morning? 100,000 ballots found in this state. 100,000 ballots found in this state 20 minutes later. Another bag of ballots found over here in Pennsylvania at 445. What the hell were they doing for four hours? Now, I have some suspicions, but I would like to know. Now, that's not proof of fraud, but it sure as hell, Big John, is really strange. insurmountable leads and I remember looking at uh, a map of the Secretary of Pennsylvania and I swear to you it said 100% of Philadelphia was counted then they said oh wait that was just the uh, votes from the polls that wasn't the mail-in votes now we have to start the mail-in votes and the same thing with Detroit. And in Detroit, there was a Trump person. Uh, it was a group called Attorneys for Trump. And one of their people went back to this central polling location after they said they, they were suspending operations. And she videoed a van pulling up. They got out a little red wagon radio flyer wagon with a ballot box in it and took it into the place. And then there's other video of people uh, that were supposed to be going in to count ballots bringing in suitcases on wheels. Now, you and I have been around boards of elections and uh, counted ballots, worked the polls. Would you ever need to bring your suitcase to work with you or an igloo cooler uh, that's the size of a picnic cooler on wheels? Come on. I never had that. I never had that need. Now, maybe they were eating. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, what are you doing there? We're supposed to be stopped counting. Right. <clears throat> you know, or let's just ask some questions. But the polling observers then we're denied access to these places. Now, here continues the doubt again. They were denied and denied and denied. They finally got a judge's order in Pennsylvania. They were still denied. Now, what the hell are they doing? They're putting up a poster board over the windows so nobody can see in to what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing in there, but this is the last thing that people need to see when they're already in doubt, when they're already suspicious. Well, the media I mean, spins this too. Big, big bags of ballots just appear out of nowhere that are 100%. Now, I know I've heard some reports saying that that is being denied, that, that, that this happened. But I haven't, I haven't seen any proof beyond a denial. 
I did see the vote tallies go up. So I, I don't know, you know, what the hell they're denying. I mean, the numbers are there. Yeah. But I'm sure somebody has an explanation for it. But, um, I mean, look, um, there's a lot that went wrong. You know, like in Nevada, they just decided they were going to mail ballots out to people who didn't even ask for them. <clears throat> and there's there's reports of ballots going to people who are, live out of state. Nevada ballots. Yeah. And, and here's another thing. How many... How many of these mail-in ballots have been rejected? Have you heard a number? I have not heard a number, no. So in the primary, 500,000, for some reason in the general, they managed to get everything perfect? Or is it because, well, like Rudy said at the press conference, there should be a Republican and a Democrat at every table looking at these ballot envelopes and saying, okay, this one's all right. That one's questionable. Put it to the side. And some of these... They just counter. Yeah, some of these observers, they said that they were flipping through these uh, envelopes like one every second, just sitting there flipping through it with their fingers, not inspecting it from what they could see from 20 feet away. Uh, and one guy said that he saw envelopes that he felt had similar handwriting but then again, those envelopes have been opened and the ballots put through a machine. So what do you do? Well, if they've, if they've separated the ballot from the envelope, then there's... I mean, if, if those, if, even if they've counted the ballot, if they didn't put the ballot with the envelope after that, then there's no way to determine if that ballot came in an envelope that wasn't properly marked. And someone may say, well, who cares if the envelope... No, the envelope, you have to fill it out. You have to put your name on it. You have to put some kind of signature or some kind of marking um, that, that um, it's, 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 a, it's a process. It's what the state determined needs to be done in order to ensure that, that uh, you know, ballots are legitimate. Regardless of what you think of it, that's what the law is. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like in, 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 in Nevada, who the hell knows who all got ballots? And that's why people were like, we don't even know what the hell's out the door. Yeah. Now, all of this on top of these irregularities that we're seeing coming out of these precincts that are 90% um, 90% uh, voter turnout. Now there was some talk that Wisconsin, you know, superseded its uh, votes versus eligible. That wasn't true, but they had historically high numbers. And it's interesting because it seems like the only places where there's really high numbers are in big cities in the swing states. Because where I'm at here in Ohio. Kyle, Biden was 4,000 votes off Hillary's to the bad, to the red. Right. And there was pedestrian turnout. 
a lot of people voted early. A lot of people went absentee by mail, but very few people ended up turning up on um, election day. And this is a heavily Democrat county. They were, and so anyhow, the point of all of this is the the, the big takeaway here. Do I have concrete evidence that there is fraud? No, but I've got a whole lot of people alleging that some things. Oh, oh, before we go on, one of the things we haven't talked about here is called ballot harvesting and ballot cure. Yeah, this is what, what is really happening here? Because someone may ask me, well, how do they get all these ballots in the first place? How can there be a bag of 100,000 ballots laying around? Well, the answer to that is, you know, you've got somebody that has a friend inside of the Board of Elections. These guys get a bag. It looks official. Well, but how do they get the ballots? They're not, <laughs> excuse me, they're not using a Xerox machine to copy them. Though I think there's some reports that the watermarks are not on some ballots that are being counted. Uh, you don't get a watermark when you make a Xerox copy. Right. Um, at least on my ballot, you know, my name was on it. It was a sticker, but it also had, like, my voting precinct, and there was a tab, and it could all be traced. But what's happening is, is when we're talking about ballot harvesting, which is illegal just about everywhere except for California and maybe a couple other places. But we're talking about it's illegal in Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's illegal in Georgia. It's illegal in Michigan, as I know. Um, but what, what we're talking about here is, let's say you've got a precinct captain. Let's just say that. And they got their street money from the local Democrat Party. And they're out trying to find their, hey, you've got to find... Uh, so-and-so, you've got to find 100 votes for our guy. Here's, uh, here's 500 bucks and a couple cartons of cigarettes. So they've already got their ballot. And this is why mail ballots is really, you know, once you lose sight of the ballot, anything can happen to it. These guys already have their ballots. And they used to have to do this. They used to have to put them in a car and bring them down to the polling place and or, the, or just take a bunch of ballots that they stole and then say, hey, these are from our friends, and put them in the, in the ballot box. But now they already have the ballot, so even better. So, um, and this happens. Like, I'm not making this up. You know, there, are, there, are, there is a history full of fraud, voting fraud in this country. Now, it doesn't, voting fraud doesn't decide every election. And it isn't systemic, but it's prevalent. It happens. And in some areas of the country, it happens more than others. It's just how it is. You just know if you're going to run in Chicago or Philadelphia or New York, you better get a little, you, you better get 2% more than what you think you need. <laughs> so ballot heart. Ballot harvesting is 
the guy goes out and he says, okay, so-and-so, you got a ballot here. We need you to fill it out. And he, and he goes and goes and to other places and maybe he gives them some money, maybe he gives them some cigarettes, maybe he promises them a job or a lap dance or a tank of gas or, hey, just, you know, you owe me, fill this out. You don't really care. Fill this out. Here's who you vote for. And this guy goes around and collects all these ballots. Oh, but that's nice. He's going to turn in their vote. The vote was illegal. You can't be coerced to cast your vote. It's your vote. If you want to vote, go ahead. You can't get paid for it. You can't do it in anticipation of receiving a favor. And you sure as hell can't have people go out and collect a bunch of ballots. You know, there's a chain of custody that has to be established. This is my ballot. I turn it in. You don't give it to people unless you live in California. And so these people are out. They collect all these ballots. Maybe somebody says, oh, no, you go ahead and fill it out. I don't care. I'm not going to vote. You don't think that this doesn't happen? So they've got all these votes, and then they drop them off. And that's, you know, it's a big city. You get 10, you know, you get 10 guys that can come up with 1,000 ballots. It's not that difficult. They were uh, paying people to go out around and register voters, and they caught somebody making up names so that they could uh, not get these people to vote, but whatever group was organizing this, they were paying people, and then you got like a $50 bonus if you got the most uh, people to register. And they caught somebody making up fake names and putting them to uh, fake addresses. Or, you know, they walked down the street and got the address off the house and wrote down, you know, Elvis and Mickey Mouse and all these other things. Uh, and then, they, I don't think they wrote down Mickey Mouse. They just made up names. But, you know, Donald Duck. Going to jail over it, you know? Actually, you're, you're right, John. I have seen people write down Donald Duck Park Bench at, you know, City Park, so-and-so city. I've seen it, and they get a ballot. Yeah, it's strange when you get into these uh, paid circulators for petitions and now ballots. well, and he, but here, here's what we're talking about here. Do we know that this happened? You can suspect that it happened. But when you can see that people who are dead got ballots and turned them in, when you have people that said, I'm a poll watcher and was denied access. And those poll watchers were credentialed, too, by the way. They were back credentialed. checked and given credentials by uh, the Philadelphia Republican Party. So these are official people. Yeah, some of them were lawyers. I mean, these are, you know, upstanding people. They're not, you know, just somebody off these the are street a- going, hey, I'm a poll watcher. And you had people that said, hey, you know, I showed up and they said I already voted when I didn't. Um, 
<clears throat> you've got people that like this guy says, well, we, you know, my supervisor at the post office said all these ballots today have to be postmarked for tomorrow right. in order for them to count. I mean, now, you have all of this. By the way, uh, in his second interview with Project Veritas, said that he felt like this was something organized from the top down, that it was passed down to his supervisor from somebody. By the way, the supervisor was talking. So, well, we also have, yeah, and, and, and we also have examples or allegations that postal workers were going around collecting ballots and throwing them away. Yeah. I mean, all of this shit is out there. And again, you know, you've got election administration issues. You've got downright fraud allegations. It, the, the point of it is this is a close election. And it's an election that's high drama, high stakes for the presidency of the United States. And then add in everything else we've been through in the last four years, times it by 100. What we need are people that have confidence in the election system. And as I told somebody today, you know, congratulations, Joe Biden, okay? You know, president-elect, whatever. I don't believe that it's legitimate. But let's see what he has. It's that middle part that is really eating away at the fabric of the country. Because in 2000, nobody believed the results. In 2016, nobody believed the results. In 2020, nobody's going to believe the results. In, 20, in, in Obama, nobody believed he was a citizen or even eligible for the presidency. And you just cannot have, in the last 20 years, it's really been something. I mean, you can say what you want about scandals, and Clinton had them, and everybody had them. Watergate. But in the last 20 years, it's been more than scandal. It's just been outright fundamental things that keep the country going, things that separate free society, free and civil societies from banana republics, from authoritarianism, from falling the fuck apart. And that is the losing side, the vanquished side, accepting the outcome of the election or being confident that at least it was done fairly. And I'm here to tell you, I don't think there's going to be a whole hell of a lot of people in this country that voted for Donald Trump that's ever going to accept the result of this election if the media and the culture in general doesn't take a step back and say, let's get this right. And frankly, if they're so confident that Biden is the winner and that there isn't fraud, then let's do this right. I mean, again, all of these states that we're talking about, 
Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, I think Michigan, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia certainly, may end up even being North Carolina by the time they're done with it. They're all going to be recounted. Let's just wait before we call Biden the president-elect. That's all I'm saying. Let's allow Trump and his people the opportunity to have their legal rights and to make um, their case in court if they feel they need to. But they should, I will say, they should be careful in how they present this to the people. Because just as we're sitting here talking about shenanigans going on at 4 o'clock in the morning and Biden getting 100% of 200,000 votes or close to 100%, it doesn't help us if all we hear from people's mouth is fraud, 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 cheating. So that's my point on that. Have you been watching the mainstream media? Because uh, I'm getting my news from... Hell no. (laughs) I'm getting a lot of my news from, like, Tim Pool on YouTube. I was getting it from Steve Bannon on YouTube until he got banned from Facebook. They they punched his dick. That's a whole nother road. Um, They punched his... And I was watching him uh, on the war room, and it was getting really – and then all of a sudden, they they cut him off. His election night show – I don't know if they deleted the archives, but his election night show was awesome. Well, he's got a website where it's all still up, uh, like stevebannon.com or warroom.com, something like that. All those podcasts are still on his website, but they're not on at least the one that was Friday. I was waiting for the live stream to start, and when I clicked on it, it said that this content has been banned for uh, not following community guidelines. But those yeah, they, they those are the sources you have to go to. Uh, he had this Burris guy on there that you were talking about Barrett. earlier. Barris. How do you spell his name? I gotta look him up. It's the People's Pundit on Twitter. But this guy, see, what you're getting at here is a good point. We, we now, because the media is just propaganda, alright, you know, they're, they are going to treat Biden with kid glove. They know he's only in for four years, if that. Yeah. Yeah. And they they're gonna they're not going to give him any kind of problems, especially if they think it could help Kamala Harris, who they will all eventually get behind. Uh, there may be a primary, but it'll be you know it, it's it's going to be de- it's decided. <clears throat> and I think she's just horrible. I think she's one of the most disingenuous fake people I've ever seen in politics, and I've seen quite a few. But that's an issue for another day. And that's television, the, right. And she's a woman of color, so that helps too. Um, she, um, or, or so, they're not going to give Biden a hard time. And this is actually something that I wanted to talk about too. And we just hit on it. 
I I just cannot believe the level of censorship that's going on in this country right now. You know, we're recording this podcast, you know, late Saturday night. Judge Jeannie Pirro has a show on Fox News on Saturday and Sunday nights. They they punched her ticket at Fox. They suspended her this weekend because her show was going to be all about defending Trump and raise, you know, raising questions about potential voter fraud. They don't want to hear it. Steve Bannon, they they zero him out of YouTube. I'm literally, literally looking at tweets from the president, and a third of his tweets, half of his tweets are censored. Yeah. I'm looking at other people, just regular people, in threads on Twitter. The comments are being censored. I was talking to this. I got an email at thebreakwalletoutlook.com. Somebody's conservative group on Facebook got canceled, got shut down. Got to, I don't know what name of the book is, some conservative Facebook group. They shut it down. The, the level of censorship that's going on in this country right now by big tech, Twitter and Facebook, and the media, you, you could give the media evidence of voter fraud, and they'll still say that's not evidence. I mean, th- there's some pretty good, e- there's some, I would say, maybe not hard, you know, hardcore evidence, but there's some evidence, and they still don't believe it. And, and I'm pretty resigned to the fact that Biden's going to be the president, but let's go back to the map. Trump is only down by 20,000 or by 18,000 votes in Arizona. That's 11 electoral votes. He's only down by 9,000 votes in Georgia. He's only down by uh, 20,000 votes, 30,000 votes. Um, three fourteen to three to forty thousand votes in Pennsylvania out of seven million cast. He's only down by twenty thousand in Wisconsin out of three point two million cast. I don't think you go through a <coughs> a recount and get a lot of these votes overturned, but if these are mail in votes where they say 2 to 3% get rejected. Of course, if they got rid of, you know, the envelope that they came in, you know, who's the hell, you know, that's a lot of ways you get them rejected. Provisional ballots are out there. They can get tossed out sometimes 40, 50%. These are ballots that are cast by people who were in the wrong place and they wanted to cast a ballot and you just decide later if it is legit. There's a lot of votes that could shift. And at the same time, there's a lot of opportunity to discover errors. Uh, sometimes computer errors, human errors, more evidence of fraud. 
you know, if this thing tightens up by one or two percent, the winner is flipped. Yeah. And we're talking hundred and forty five million votes. It's not gonna take a whole lot to flip this thing. As thin as Trump's victory was in the you know, four years ago, this is even thinner. Now, you know, Biden's up by you know, four and a half million votes. Hillary, I think, was up by three and a half million. But Jesus, come on. You go to some of these really blue states like California and New York and Illinois, they're, they're just, they know Biden's going to win. So let's just pad some more votes in there to drive up the popular vote total. Because that's a narrative in all this. He's got over 50% of the popular vote. Not just more popular votes, but over 50%. So, I, you know, in, in many ways, this is an election that is far from being certain, but looks certain. But in a democracy, looks certain isn't good enough. It's not good enough. No, it's not. And I'm glad that you mentioned that the state legislature in Pennsylvania can or has taken steps to back Trump in this election. And I know well, our well, chairwoman in Michigan is, but... Also Michigan and Georgia. The Secretary of State of, of Georgia, uh, you're not going to hear a lot of talk about this. Of course not. But he issued... He issued a statement a couple hours ago. He's ordering an investigation into Fulton County after irregularities found. Fulton County is a big county in Georgia. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the one where Atlanta is or not, but it's a big county. So they're finding some irregularities. Probably, you know, what would happen if there was a computer program glitch that was putting Trump votes in with Biden? Or double counting Biden votes, it can be because done. you know I, it can be done, and it can be an innocent mistake. It could be an innocent mistake, or a corrupted program, or a hacked program. China. You know, I saw some pretty accurate data. People suggest that. Trump's ceiling in the popular vote would be a 70 million. And Biden's would be 68 or 69 million. They really hit, I mean, Trump's at 70 million, 800,000. Mm-hmm. Biden's at 75 million. This guy got 6 million more votes than Barack Obama in 2008. Did this election ever feel like that to you? That he was that popular? Let's look at something. You know, Barack Obama got a lot of votes, let's face it, because people wanted the first black president. He had a huge African-American turnout. Donald Trump outperformed any Republican uh, since Abraham Lincoln, since the 1960s, with black voters, 
And we were told going into this election, if he overperforms with that demographic, he can win this race. We were told that if he overperforms in the Hispanic community, he can win this race. He outperformed in every minority demographic. And the one place he underperformed his 2016 was with white males, oddly enough. But Biden, all night, election night, we were sitting here watching him get less votes than Hillary Clinton in 2016. And then we went to bed because we were told the counting has stopped, which we don't, We, you and I in our 20 some years of following this stuff really closely. Never seen anything. Never seen, never seen counting in the middle of the night like this. So how did Joe Biden go from underperformance and Trump go from overperformance to it, in a matter of four hours, everything switched. That's I don't know. Well, I, it, 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 if anything, it was coordinated. Had to have been. Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, they all stopped counting at the same time. And then the next morning, five hours later, or so, within 45 minutes of each other, they all had these massive ballot dumps that are just disproportionately for Biden. Um, But let me get back to your African-American minority thing. We were told for 50 years, if the Republicans could ever get such and such percentage of the black vote or the Hispanic vote that they would be unstoppable. Well, that's pretty much what Trump did. Now you can pass off some of his losses to, I guess you said white males. We were told for seven months, he was getting blown out by suburban females. The uh, data that I've read I don't know how they could get this already, but the data that I read shows that that wasn't the case. He didn't get blown out. He didn't get blown out by as much by suburban women. Because as we talked about, there was a big shy Trump vote amongst suburban women. They didn't want to tell people who they were really voting for. Um, And... So I don't, honest to God, I don't know where we were hearing that minority turn, you know, the excitement gap wasn't there for Biden. The people voting for Biden were voting more against Trump than for him. So, you know, the base was there. But the people that you really have to work at, the people that you have to have a ground game to reach, to motivate, to come to the polls, they didn't have a ground game. And those people in the middle, in the uh, inner cities, weren't excited. African Americans weren't excited about Biden. Then all of a sudden, in Milwaukee, in Detroit, in Philadelphia, they got really excited. Yeah. But nobody else did anywhere. And granted, those are swing states, but you know, so was Florida. 
So was Texas. So was Ohio. You know, so was North Carolina. So was Georgia. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, there wasn't more interest as it went along, but, you know, Trump is going to win most of those states. But where the hell did these votes come from? That You know, there, there potentially could be five to six million votes for Joe Biden that are kind of like, okay, where did these votes come from? I, I contend that they were that these were primarily harvested votes and in many many cases illegally harvested that's where as i told you earlier somebody goes out and collects the votes and drops them off yeah now <clears throat> now why would you wait why wouldn't you count those well you know in some states you, you're not allowed to count them you know mail in votes you got to wait to count. But if you're trying to cheat, you're not going to tip your hand first. You're going to see what the other guy has. Yep. Hey, how many do we have? How many do we need? Oh, you mean if we can get another 100,000 here, then uh, that, then what's your numbers over there, uh, Bob? What do you got coming out of your precinct? What do you got coming out of your precinct? That's how this shit works. expanded their operation a little bit to the rest of the country to Georgia and uh, you know maybe Nevada uh, Pittsburgh uh, stuff like that so they, they definitely sent people in on the ground uh, you know AOC tweeted out probably more than what she should have in the last day she said that uh, the returns in Detroit were, I can't remember the exact word, but, you know, almost unbelievable that they had organizers in the immigrant community in Arizona and that they had street organizers uh, in, in other places. So, you know, that kind of gets at, you know, for me, one of the biggest things that stands out is that if there was a big problem with absentee vote-by-mail ballots being rejected, we would have heard about it. The Democrats would have been raising holy hell about this like they did in Florida early on, but we never heard that. So either they did what you suggested, which is they just took these ballots out of the envelope and didn't even try to verify anything, but and they just counted them, and or they had a bunch of community organizers pre-curing these envelopes. You know, people, is, people. you know, they get a group of people involved and, hey, let's, let's vote, vote for our guy. And they fix any mistakes or they fill it out so that there isn't any mistakes. And to some various degrees, I don't know how legal that is. But I do know at the Board of Elections, in just about any jurisdiction in the country, if you make a mistake on your ballot and you let them know, they can fix it for you with you there. They can cure it. Hmm. 
what do you think? But I, but I don't know if you can do that ahead of time, like may have been going on. I think <laughs> completely in, in, there isn't a rejection of these ballots. That's my point. I can't believe that we haven't heard stories of ballots being rejected. And if they just counted these ballots in all these states from the, the mail and treated them as if they were cast in person and discarded the envelope that could, you know, void those votes up to 2% or 3% in some cases. I mean, like I said, 534,000 were voided in the primaries. That was the primaries. You double that for this one. You got a whole new election. Some of these ballots have to be recounted by hand in PA, Washington, or Wisconsin, Georgia, and Michigan. Uh, that would be kind of ideal to have a Republican and a Democrat sit down and go through the ballots and recount them by hand. And yeah, we should talk of what we want to see happen right now, and I think we both would agree we want to see a full canvas in Pennsylvania and in Wisconsin and in Georgia, definitely. See how many dead people cast ballots. Uh, see how many, you know, people that moved out of state in Nevada were sent to cast ballots. Uh, and the, the last option would be this goes past, what, December I keep hearing a date in December when things have to be finalized. Or yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. So, representatives, delegations. Right. The way that this will work, and number one, we want to see a full canvas. We just don't want to see a recount. We want to see an inspection, a full audit of where the you know to determine chain of command. We want to deter. We want to inspect the condition of these ballots. We want to make sure there were no software glitches. We just don't want to sit there and recount them. We want to inspect everything. We want to do all the above. Not to try to steal it from Biden or anyone else, but to just to make sure that shit is right. All right, so <clears throat> what will come from that could be court cases. Now, in Trump's case, you know, he's going to be making the argument that some ballots should be thrown out. And, you know, that's a tough argument. He also, you know, courts have decided to do re-votes where there has been proven to be just systemic fraud. You know, one case happened in North Carolina not long ago where it was a congressional race. There was just some, it was a Republican. He was out ballot harvesting and there were other fraudulent things going on and the, the judge just said, we're doing a revote. Now, interestingly enough, the Republican won the revote. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's an option. I don't think it's likely to have a revote, uh, certainly statewide. Um, but it, but these are the things to consider. You know, a judge, is he going to is he going to say, I mean, Pennsylvania would be it. But if they took all of the ballots 
that came in late and backdated them with the postmark, how the, how the hell are you going to be able to prove that they, when they came in? I mean, the, the only, the, the postmark is there, even though you've got this whistleblower saying what he said, that he was instructed to, you know, change the date when these ballots came in. So there's some remedies that he could have. And I mean, the a judge could conceivably say that these, you know, as they're counting the votes, they say, we've got this amount of votes over here that fit this category of these are not legitimate votes. We've canvassed it. These people do not exist. They are dead or they voted twice or there's something wrong with the ballot. They could throw those votes out. Um, that, that's kind of a tough putt in my view. Um, I think what they would have to... I think what they would have to find is in the recount and in the canvas, maybe some votes to tighten it up, some votes that could be thrown out without going to court. But I think what they have to do, you know, outside of that, and this is why this gets so tough for Trump, is they got to prove to some degree that there was just so many irregularities that the Republican-controlled state legislators in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and Georgia, <coughs> and that would be enough, would um, forward to Congress, who counts the electoral vote of all the states, a set of electors that would vote for Trump. Now, you want to walk through how that process would work? So that is an option. It is a constitutional option. It's outlined in Article 2. I can hear people right now. Oh, you can't go against the will of the people. Well, yeah, you can. The electors can individually and the state legislators. They don't need the governor. They don't need Congress. They can certify what uh, slate of electors they're going to send to Congress to be counted. And if there's enough discussion over fraud or computer glitches or you name it, they could say, look, there's enough here to cast this whole thing in doubt, <laughs> irregardless of what the courts say. The courts don't have the final say in this. Neither does the media, by the way. That may come as a shock to some people. Now, at that point, that's when you get to your December uh, deadline. I, I don't know when it is, the second week of December or something, 18th, I don't know when it is. There is a date that's set in law that says, it's called safe harbor, that everything has to be done and, and reported back to the archivist of the United States, who is the depository of the official authenticated electoral certificates from the Electoral College. These are the votes for president. Our votes are not to vote for president. We are technically voting for electors, a slate of electors. And the state legislature has the right to determine how that slate is selected. They could listen to us, or they could just make up their own mind. 
that electoral college meets, those electors that are selected meet, and the votes are sent. So um, then what would happen is, let's say that that happened, and that would be a big deal, but let's say that that were to happen. Congress meets in a joint session the 1st of January, and they open up these boxes of ballots. Literally, they bring them in to the well of the House, and they, they count them state by state. The Congress could say, as they've done in the past, geez, um, we got a lot of problems here. The vote was this. The state legislatures did this. They could vote whether or not to accept what is in front of them, or they could throw them out altogether. Throw out Pennsylvania's electoral votes. Throw out Michigan's electoral votes. Throw out Wisconsin's electoral votes. Well, if you did that, then neither person would get a majority to be elected president or vice president, for that matter. And then it would then devolve down. Then the joint session, after they counted all the ballots, they would determine nobody has a majority. Then there would be an adjournment of the joint session. The House would meet immediately. Then the Senate would meet immediately. And in the Senate, they would choose amongst the highest vote, two highest vote getters for vice president, and each senator has a vote. So if the Republicans control the Senate, who do you think is going to get real? Pence. Mike Pence. In the House, it's a little different. The House votes by state delegation, not by member. So each state delegation would meet, and they would caucus. They would get together, and they would take a formal vote amongst their members. And then the majority... So if you've got nine members, well, Ohio's got uh, 16 members. 16, yeah. if, um, if nine voted in favor uh, of, uh, uh, of uh, one particular candidate, then Ohio's vote would go to that candidate. So in that instance, you need 26 votes. And that's how they would choose. Now, some states are tied, but you still need 26. But that is, that's spelled out. That number is specific. So if you've got, you know, maybe four or five states that have an equal number of Republican and Democrats in them, well, then you need 26 out of 45. And <laughs> there's a couple instances in the history of the country. I think 1824 was an example where there's a lot of horse trading then that starts. Politics, baby. Um, in 18... Uh, in 18, I mean, that kind of had a, a pretty good result, depending. Uh, you know, the, the election of 1824 was so screwed up between Andrew Jackson and John Quincy Adams that it uh, motivated a whole new class of electorate into American politics that weren't... Um, necessarily um, white property owners over a certain age. They were um, a huge, the franchise had just been the whole movement, populism, the, the era, the Jacksonian era came into being and um, changed American politics for 50, 75 years. 
and how things were run in this country. So, um, you know, an example where it didn't work out too good was in 1876. You had a situation where the electoral votes in South Carolina, Florida, and Oregon were in dispute. And the states sent multiple slates of electors for co- to Congress. And uh, in the case of South Carolina and Florida, those states were under um, military reconstruction uh, from the north. And the um, African-Americans, the former slaves, were voting heavily towards Republicans, but they were intimidated from going to the polls by the local Democrats who were all members of the Klan, and people alleged that there was this massive voter fraud. So, you know, two sets of electors got sent up. There was some other issue in Oregon. I don't remember what it was. Probably similar. Um, and so they couldn't, you know, they're trying to figure out who the hell. And so they did it a little bit different. In 1876, they appointed a commission that eventually voted along partisan lines and awarded the presidency to Rutherford Hayes. However, um, unfortunately for um, the newly freed slaves, part of that deal uh, was is that the North would retreat from the South and kind of hand things officially back over to the racist uh, Democrats. And so that ushered in an era of 80 years of Jim Crow. So it didn't work out so well in that situation, unfortunately. So these things, you know, these things happen. And that could be an outcome here um, if the state legislators were determined that they saw uh, enough to say, we don't trust the vote here. It's a check. And the this is just, you know, a proof that the founding fathers were really smart and how they um, – you know, uh, divide this country up. Uh, it's a federal system, and there's no more better example than this. And we shouldn't be afraid of this. Uh, this is how it's supposed to work. How it's not supposed to work is courts getting involved and throwing votes out and trying to determine things and writing law and doing their own interpretation. That's not how it's supposed to work. So there's something to keep in mind, I guess. Sorry to go on and on there. I hope you got something out of it, but um. no, I think that, yeah, I understand that stuff. But people that are listening to this have never been educated in this system. I mean, I have friends that are, you know, fair, very politically active, and they're like, uh, "I hate the electoral college, and I think it should be thrown out," and da 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 da, and. You know, they don't even understand that, let alone what we just talked about with, you know, the state legislatures and the, uh, uh, you know, Congress can get involved if the deadline isn't met. And that's one path that Trump has left, uh, although it's not the path we want. You know, the path we won was a fair election on election night and to know the winner. And all indicators were pointing to that leading up to the election and on election night when they stopped the counts. So this is a situation that, you know, Democrats have created. 
through whatever you know mechanisms they've put in place to try and ensure that they uh, won this election. Just like in 2016, they thought that they had done a, a good enough job with the Steele dossier and that they had uh, a plan B or whatever they called it. Uh, you know, they were caught texting each other and uh, emails and things that, you know, <clears throat> we have a, a backup plan to get rid of Trump if he does get elected and stuff like that. So, you know, this is created by, you know, the Democrat Party uh, and, you know, the media and the tech companies to get rid of somebody they just don't like. And I don't understand right. how you cannot like this guy uh, when he's, you know, put together a, a platinum plan for the black community uh, that no one else has ever done. Uh, and it was working and he was his economy was working. We saw the bounce back as we came out of all the big lockdowns, un, unrealistic, you know, uh, unemployment numbers dropping, job creation and hiring skyrocketing uh, after the uh, pandemic part one was over. Uh, I mean, now we're kind of in part two, and it's going to be scary to see what uh, Joe Biden will do. You know, he says on day one he's going to come up with a plan to eradicate the virus. You can't eradicate a virus. Trump's wrong in saying that too, but you know at least Trump had a plan to get this vaccine out, and you know it's going to be out in a couple months. Well, what if you know Joe Biden is there, and now you don't have the Operation Warp Speed to get the uh, vaccine? out to people <laughs> you know how's it going to be doled out is it going to be doled out to the states that voted for biden first what where what how's it going to work you know it's really scary well not only that but they have uh, i mean this is why georgia is going to you know they got two senate uh, runoff elections <clears throat> that are going to be decided in january and we still have that Senate seat that is under uh, not called yet in North Carolina, though it looks like the Republicans should hold on. But the winner of those two Georgia Senate seats will be in control of the Senate. That's how tight things are. There certainly was no blue wave here. The Republicans gained seats in the House. They are more than likely to hold on to the Senate, though I wouldn't be surprised if any, you know, what would happen. But you know, Biden, if he if they don't get the Senate and the Republicans hold, they'll be able to stop some of the more egregious uh, proposals, which would be, um, you know, the, the ending the filibuster in the Senate, meaning you could pass anything with a majority vote, packing the court, uh, increasing the number of justices to four, and Biden appointing all four. Um, statehood for Puerto Rico and D.C., which would, you know, in effect make the Senate Republican-proof by providing four solid Democrat 
senators and a number of representatives. Uh, and the Green New Deal, Medicare for all. So we, if we hold the Senate, we can certainly prevent that agenda from happening, which is bad enough. But even if we do hold the Senate, you know, there's still Biden's still got to do something. You know, his the whole entire agenda has been Bernie Sanders. A lot of people don't know it. Yeah. But but they could get immigration which could be a disaster. There's a, certainly enough Republicans that are supported by the Chamber of Commerce that would be willing to open the doors up to anybody. Amnesty would probably be the big thing to come down first because there would be a lot of agreement on that. And there'll be some hell about it, but then Medicare for all. I think a reworking of health care in the country, and that might be kind of tough, Um. But again, if they had both chambers, it could happen. But even if it's 52 Republicans, that includes a handful of Republicans like Mitt Romney that would be willing to vote for anything. Um, so um, those are some policy things definitely to keep an eye on. But I guess at the end of the day here um, – and there is a couple of tweets here that came up. I mean, there's just all kinds of tweets out here from people that are highlighting statistical improbabilities and just anomalies, not even looking at votes, about this 75 million vote Biden, you know, potential win here. <laughs> and in one chart here by Kyle Becker, at Kyle Becker on Twitter, how special was Michigan and Pennsylvania this election? Well, very special. Mail-in absentee votes for Biden in those states dwarfed margins of other swing states, such as Ohio, Arizona, Georgia, Minnesota, North Carolina, and Florida. Statistical and probable? Yes. Highly suspect? Definitely. So what the chart shows here is Biden's mail-in or absentee vote advantage by swing state. In Pennsylvania, he had a 59-point advantage in mail-in and absentee votes. Do you believe that? that that's unreal. It, I mean, as in not believable. It's not believable. The next was Michigan at 37.9. A full 21 point, I mean, it's still significant, but a full, you're telling me that Joe Biden had a 59 percentage point uh, advantage in Pennsylvania in mail-in and absentee votes. That That is just, that that, that is, I, I can't, that was, what did that, was a spread of 60 points would be, 80 to 20. Yeah, that's where you get the, the idea that people were uh, harvesting harvesting, and filling these ballots out for people. Could you realistically do in four hours? More than likely, you know, people were harvesting ballots. Going around to the neighborhood and, you know, or, you know, like in Michigan, using dead people to request God knows how many 
ballots and filling them out. But in Ohio, Biden's advantage, so Pennsylvania was 59, Michigan almost 38, then Ohio was 15. So it, it literally gets cut in half. Georgia was five, Arizona was four, North Carolina one and a half, Florida 1.3. So in states, now Georgia's a little bit of an outlier because there's some in Arizona, but they're all real close. It took Biden to get a 60-point advantage in mail-in absentee votes in Pennsylvania to come out with a 45,000-vote lead. Think about that. So, you know, you could sit here and say, well, that's corruption to some degree. Or maybe you could say, well, why doesn't the Republican Party get with it with mail-in and absentee votes? You know, there's hundreds of thousands of people that just don't vote that fit a Trump narrative. You know, if they're not going to go out to the polls, then get them a damn ballot and mail it to them. <laughs> I'm not saying break the law and harvest like the Democrats do, but we should be getting these people ballots and following up with them. Because that sure as hell is what the Democrats are doing and then some. So, you know, we could sit here and keep our head buried in the sand about all of this, or we could do something about it. I mean, again, this is kind of a special circumstance, conveniently enough, this year because of COVID, but there's certainly some lessons to be learned here. Yeah, this is uh, a time when, you know, we're learning things for future elections. And somebody thought that Trump was starting to throw in the towel because he said, you know, I'm not just worried about my election, I'm worried about future elections. No, he he wants to be reelected <clears throat> because one he's a winner and he doesn't know anything else, and secondly, uh, he wants to follow up with what he started and put people and things in place that can keep the country going forward. Ninety-nine point nine six percent of Democrat and independent mail ballots went to Biden in Pennsylvania. And independent—I can't believe the independents, and it's hard to believe that many Democrats. This is according to uh, a tweet by Real American Politics at Real A Politics on Twitter. Now he's screenshotting a tweet from somebody else, and I can't see who it was, but it came down today at 11.30, so not that long ago. Solon Ridden. See, what's happening on Twitter, because they're censoring things, you got to get creative how you share information. And one way people are getting around it is by taking screenshots and putting them on Twitter. It's a little bit more difficult to catch than typing in stuff. So you take a screenshot and put it out there, or you go into somebody's thread and, and dump this stuff. I mean, eventually they get a hold of it, but then you, you but you bury it in somebody's thread, and then people find it.
But that's the allegation. And, and see, this is what I'm talking about. This doesn't prove fraud, but it is certainly a st- how. I mean, how come in Pennsylvania um, that this was the case and not in other states? This isn't the case. 99.96% of Democrat independent mail ballots went to Biden. I mean, it's, how, is that, how is that possible? You know, if they recount Pennsylvania, I hope the hell they're able to uncover some of this stuff. Yeah, he really should be able to. Uh, we should, or should we, should say we should be able to figure some things out, and you know, by canvassing and inspecting who voted. Uh, you know, and, and all of these things, it's going to be hard and, you know, to another, change this, but well, yeah, it is, you know, and that's it. And, we're, and we'll, we'll wrap up the conversation with what we think is going to happen, but just one more point, you know, another kind of red flag that goes up outside of disproportionately high voter turnout in certain areas, votes going one way or, or uh, you know, over another in disproportionate amounts. Um, you know, you have um, ballots either being 100% accepted or high rejection rates, and we've got what seems to be 100% acceptance of these mail-in ballots, which historically have had rejection rates of upwards of 3%. Uh, I mean, take 3% of Biden's total off of uh, the mail-in votes, and you know, Pennsylvania probably goes in another direction. Um, but uh, what was I saying here? Um, oh, another in, in, you know interesting thing is how many of these ballots, and I don't have, I've lost these figures, but it's a significant amount of ballots that are just Biden votes and nobody else. Yeah, that's uh, who votes for just one person on a ballot when they're congressmen and all these other people. Uh, are up for election this year. I have seen, again, I can't take a guess at the number. I, for some reason, 18% is uh, in my head for a drop-off, but I think I'm getting confused here. It's been a long week. I've had a long day, and it's late. It's so late it's early right now. <laughs> but um, there is a natural drop-off. And again, all of this is on Twitter. If you're creative, you can follow the right people. Uh, Barnes Law, uh, Qantas Polls, um, these are all people that are getting this information out. Robert Barnes, Qantas Polls, um, uh, Gulag Inmate, Kyle Becker, um, Real Eagle Politics, Viva Free. F-R-E-I, all of these people are, you know, spot on it here with getting out some of this. Again, it's not proving anything, um, but it's raising questions. It's what, and that's natural. When I think in a lot of people, even some Democrats, it's like, what really happened? Yeah. And, you know, 
you have a situation where the more people tend to vote for president. Not everybody votes for president, but more people vote for president than vote for the other offices down ticket. Well, you have a drop-off in many states from president to senator, for example. And when, it, when you look at the Trump ballots, there's a drop-off from Trump to the Republican candidate for Senate, but it's, it's real small. It, it's, it's more historically accurate, but it may even be smaller. But with Biden, you know, <laughs> almost 100,000 votes in one particular, I even hate to give a number out because I can't remember the state, but let's just say a significant, almost six-figure difference <laughs> in a particular swing state between Biden's votes and the senator. Just, you know, not only is that huge, but completely disproportionate to the drop-off in Trump. Now, what the hell was going on there? What? You know, somebody. What happened there? Someone could say that uh, that's an example of people just grabbing ballots and putting Biden's name on it, because that's all that mattered. So that's another issue. Again, that doesn't prove fraud. Right, that in and of itself isn't fraud, but it's an anomaly. It points to fraud. You know, I don't know exactly how you prove voter fraud outside of it's real difficult. You know, you would almost have to have somebody come forward and says, "I collected these ballots and I filled them out." Right. But what you but what you could find is election malpractice, errors, counting ballots that you shouldn't have been counting, um, mixing ballots up, getting rid of chain of custody documents to prove certain things that are required for ballots that could toss ballots out. You could have people say that they were denied a right to vote or, you know, it's difficult. And it's hard to, you know, once you have the ballots in the box and they're counted, man, is it tough, you know, um, to roll that back. Um, but it, but it's, um, it's doable if you can, if you can at least sow some doubt into the right people that this wasn't legit, um, you know, you, you, you stand a shot. But to close this out, I guess at the end of the day, here we are, Big John. Biden has 290 electoral votes. Uh, that may not go up anymore. They don't care if it does. Trump probably will go up maybe another 30. So he'll have 235, 245. Um, what do you see happening? At the end of the day, just Tell me what you think is going to – what's going to be happening on January 20th? Uh, well, I have the fear that, you know, Joe Biden will be sworn in as president. Uh, I, I hope against hope that 
you know, more people come forward that, uh, that saw election fraud or saw problems, and we can get some of these states recounted and flipped back to Trump like we saw it trending on election night and how the experts saw it going because when it was supposedly over, it was all pointing to a Trump victory and a big victory. And then it all changed overnight. So hopefully these court cases work out for Trump. Hopefully some ballots that were harvested illegally get disqualified and we can go forward and Trump will be there on January 20th. Uh, it, and uh, if not, you know, we have to hold on to the Senate and uh, stop this court packing. And then in the midterms, we'll gain the House back, I think. So it's real it, scary and right now. What has, to you personally, Donald Trump's presidency meant, whether it's four years or eight years? I think it meant, it, you know, a return to you know the American spirit that America is a great country that you know all the things Obama said about how terrible the country was and when he went on that apology tour apologizing to uh, Japan for Hiroshima and Nagasaki and all those things uh, that you know one thing other countries respect us and the Middle East, there was peace. They were working towards peace versus, you know, this is the first president to not get us into a new war or expand an existing war. So he was a peaceful president. He was a very successful economic president. And he listened to people and he talked like a regular person talks, not, you know, uh, over everyone's head and telling you, you know, if you vote for me, all your dreams will come true. You know, he said through hard work, your your dreams can come true and you can achieve things. And he made opportunities that people like Barack Obama, the first black president, didn't make in the black community. You know, we ranted and raved on this show since 2009 or so uh, about the inner cities of America. And Trump came up with plans for the inner cities and you know things that were uh, endorsed by black men like Little Wayne who's actually a lot nicer person than what you would expect for a guy with tattoos on his face I mean uh, taught me a lot when I saw Little Wayne come out and endorse Trump he sat down with you know rappers like Ice Cube who's not a fan of government on either side but he put, you know, Ice Cube's ideas into a platinum plan. And so he worked with these people that he's supposed to be racist against. You know, I think it was a successful presidency, one of the most successful in history. And it's a shame to see it end. It's like, man, my heart breaks to see him go. He worked hard. There's no, I mean, that's to me, that's one of the more frustrating things. I'd probably put that top three. Like, this guy went out there and really worked hard. And you just 
didn't see that out of Biden. And they used COVID as an excuse, but he wasn't, I mean, you know, maybe he knew he didn't have to be. Um, but man, Trump was out there hitting five. I sat down on that Sunday before the election and watched five rallies from 11 a.m. till midnight. You know, and these rallies were, I mean, I didn't watch them all, but I watched every stop. Like, I didn't watch all of it in each stop, but I watched every stop. This guy was on fire. He was engaged. He wasn't, you know, loafing it. And it was energetic, and there was just so many people. And you turn on Biden, and there was next to nobody there, and they weren't, it was just, it was almost like a production. It really, his candidacy, Biden's candidacy, to me, seemed like a staged production. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I feel for somebody who works their tail off and comes up short, especially when the other guy wasn't putting hardly any effort into it at all. I mean, Biden went from basically March until August. Five months. He didn't have to campaign at all. He didn't leave the House. Yeah. You know, after the Democrats all got around him after Super Tuesday, you know, granted we were, you know, under lockdown, but he, he, regardless, he didn't have to campaign. Trump was out there taking all the arrows, trying to, you know, I think he was set up by some of these health people into shutting the country down and then, you know, take the heat for this collapsing economy. And then he didn't, he wanted to open it up. And then he took heat for trying to kill people. It was like he was in a no win situation, but he still never gave up. I mean, after everything he went through with Russia collusion and impeachment, everything started turning around and then he got gets hit with this. And it was almost like, Oh, it was almost just at that point, you know, looking back on all this, to, to be perfectly honest with you, it was almost like, this is just too much for one person. You know, as I look back on it, <clears throat> he was frustrated. I think it came out at the wrong time when Americans were looking. Now, some of these people would never vote for him no matter what. Don't misunderstand. I'm not blaming his uh, – I mean, his record on coronavirus, I feel, has been pretty good. Not as good as anybody. And frankly, Biden's going to do a lot of the same things, but just in a different way. And maybe that's what the people wanted at the end of the day was just a different way. But he gave it his all and never quit. And I really admire the hell out of that. I'm, I was never a huge Trump fan from the beginning. You know, I supported other people. But as I began to listen to him and understand what he was trying to do, you know, I thought about the people who he was talking to. The people who have been really in a tough spot in this country for a long time. People who had factory work, uh, other kinds of manufacturing work, and they don't have anything now. Or they're doing something that they, that uh, I guess they, maybe they're embarrassed that this is what it's come to. When they, 
were so proud of how they were working and living before. May not have been a rich life, but it was it was respectful. And people have lost a little bit of that in this country. Um, they've lost some self-worth. And they look around and they see these politicians, and they're making money, and they're sending our jobs overseas, and it almost seems like they don't care or they don't have respect and they just toss out, well, you can always go on welfare or you can get food stamps. And these people are getting addicted to drugs and their kids. and their, it, It's just becoming it's a whole – you go down to the Mon Valley in Pittsburgh, you people, you see what I'm talking about. Exactly the rot in this country because our policies – and some of it is free market. Some of it is just competition. But it's in many cases it's unfair competition, and and some of it is you know as a region you can't be too heavily reliant on one industry or else you really go under. But the bottom line is that could all be overcome by government investment and protecting the American worker. What can't be overcome is when politicians, for for whatever reason, self-serving reasons or misguided reasons. They put these policies in that just gut the middle class of this country and beat them to hell. And Trump, I think his fighting spirit and his commitment to that, which is nothing new, um, you know, I, we, we're never going to see anything like that again. No. Um, we're just not. And because politicians that get to that level are, if they're not bought, they're heavily influenced by big contributions. And that's something that didn't move Trump. He didn't care. You know, he, he was going to do what he felt was right. Um, but politicians, they get to that level. They need that money. They need that campaign money to win elections. And when you need it, man, they own you. And that's why we have some of the policies. Because these people that are pumping the money in, they got other interests in mind. So, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I, that's what I'm going to miss about it. We're never going to see rallies like that again, Big John. We're never going to see rallies like that again. No, never, ever. Well, I think we've talked ourselves out. <laughs> so, man. Well, we did. We did five hours on election day, two hours the day after, and another two hours here tonight. That's that's enough for maybe uh, until after Thanksgiving or something. But yeah. we just got to keep praying. If it's if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And like I told some people, I'm not going to allow myself to be filled with hate for four years because my guy didn't win a president. President doesn't make my life. I make my life. Um, I'm disappointed, but I'm not going to be like them. And I don't think anyone out there listening should be like that either. You win some, you lose some. Some are some cheat, some are legit. What can you play the ball where it lies? The most important thing is that we remember we remember how important this country is, and we try to hold that as much as we can. We can. We're being tested. There's no doubt about it. But if we hold that line. Um, it doesn't matter who wins we, because we can bring it back 
uh, we can bring it back. Uh, it just, unfortunately, it's getting a little bit more difficult. And you got a guy, big, you know, I'll give you the last word, but I'll just say this. You got a guy who for four years was president of the United States, hopefully more, but for four years did nothing but talk up the United States and the American people and the workers. And there are still people who found a way to be annoyed by that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, my, you asked how I feel, and it's the disappointing feeling for all the reasons you mentioned. Uh, we had, you know, eight years of uh, American apology and how terrible America was, and then you had a guy that was a cheerleader for the country and for the working class, and we'll, we'll probably never see that again, uh, you know, so... Uh, am I disappointed? Yeah. Is my life over? No, not just yet. You know, I think I'll I'll get through it. But you know, so that's it. Good night. God bless America is my final thought. So, all right. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.